0: Hey guys, what's going on? You are rolling with Roadhogs. I'm Marlon. And I'm Roger. And today we're going to be talking about safe bets.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, safe bets on the uh, big picture and safe bets on a smaller scale. And it's kind of funny to even be talking about bets, when, especially what happened in the news in Wall Street over the last week or so. Um, with the Redditors versus the, uh, <laughs> the long-term investors. But this is not a Wall Street or financial or an investment podcast. We're talking about cars, and we only talk about depreciating it, depreciating assets. So before we get into it, though, Marlon, you got to tell the people where they can find us online. Guys, you can find us on flageyedrives.com slash the Roadhogs.
0: That's flageyedrives.com slash the Roadhogs. Hope you've been enjoying the, uh, the content thus far. Got some more exciting content coming up for you i hope you enjoyed this episode so let's jump right into the news shall we so it was announced some time ago that gm will only be selling zero emissions vehicles by 2035. now knowing gm's history general motors no oh, i thought you said dm i was like who who sliding no in? general motors oh. general motors gm so knowing gm's history with you know their profits lie with trucks heavy duty vehicles and that's been their cash cows, you know, you know, 2,500, you know, 1,500 uh, trucks, 2,500 trucks, heavy-duty trucks. That's been their profit margins, and that's been a big slice of their profit margins. Now, let's be clear. Four years ago, when the Trump administration came into being, the CEO, Mary Barra, went into Trump's office, met with Trump, and personally asked him to roll back the Obama administration's EPA uh average average few mileage goals it was uh 54.5 miles per gallon i believe and then they they rolled it back to she asked them to roll it back to 40 miles per gallon and four years later she's now done about face and made this announcement now i think it's symbolic in nature it's a for gm anyway and you know let's be let's be clear gm is part of the big american three ford ram Chrysler, by extension, and and GM, their profits are almost exclusively all trucks, right? Trucks, SUVs, crossovers, the like. So, personally, I am very skeptical of this announcement. Now, do I wish them well? Yeah, I want them to do well, and I mean I hope that they're held to account for this announcement. But very large grain of salt that I'm pouring on
1: this uh, announcement. Here. A few handfuls of coarse kosher salt.
0: <laughs> the course of kosher, kosher salt there is
1: <laughs> yeah i think your skepticism is uh, is is not unfounded i it, it's definitely deserved i tend to lean a little bit more optimistic this time around particularly since yes let's put it into context though first before i go any further let's put it into context GM's uh, announced goal of only having a zero emissions lineup by 2035 and being carbon neutral by 2040 is one of, if not the most aggressive goal that any auto manufacturer has set for themselves in the near future. I think the next closest is probably Volkswagen, I want to say, has say that they, only want, they want to have an, uh, an electric version of every single one of their cars by 2030 so i think that's like probably the next most aggressive sort of announcement in terms of vehicle lineups in the near future and their move towards a different kind of energy source so yes gm's announcement is grand bold aggressive should be taking it a more than a heavy handful of salt however to sort of counterbalance that the reason why a little less skeptical than you, Marlon, is because not long before GM made that announcement, ExxonMobil made another announcement where they, I think they divested themselves of a huge, a huge chunk of their fossil fuel reserves and are making a concerted move towards alternate energy. So, and I didn't, I, did I didn't know this. So, yeah. So yeah. An oil and gas company is moving towards alternate fuels and starting to invest, like making actual, you know, tangible moves in changing the way that they do business. It's sort of, I mean, to me, it's, look, it's GM looking at the crystal ball. They probably got the call from ExxonMobil and had a conversation before, GM, before they went in and made their announcement, right? It's a concerted move by GM to recognize where things are going and to move in that direction i'm not going to hold the meeting that they had with the trump administration a couple of years ago against them because most of the manufacturers at the time in, in their own different sort of ways were looking for the opportunity to sort of slow walk the move towards higher fuel economy standards and and efficiency and and also uh, emission standards mary and gm and a lot of other automakers they you know, saw an opportunity to kind of like take their time and not be under the thumb of regulations and, um, you know, try to make good on something of an opportunity. So I'm not going to hold it against them. It was kind of a, in the grand scheme of things, a shitty thing to do, but they're in the business of making money and I'm not going to hold that against them. And 40 miles per gallon is obviously not as aggressive as 54 and a half, but it's still something. And they were probably close to reaching that anyway. They didn't know whether or not in four years' time afterwards, who the new administration was going to be. It Could have been, you know, a second Trump administration. It could have been a newer Democratic, Democrat administration, who, as we all know, tend to be, you know, a little bit more pro- progressive in terms of environmental and and um, consumer standards. So, in conclusion, yes, there is reason to be skeptical of the announcement, but. There's also reason to believe that they are pretty serious about achieving that goal. So even if they don't get to a full net zero carbon by 2040 and zero emissions across the lineup by 2035, if they get to 75% of that by that time, that's still a huge achievement.
0: That, okay. Yes, it's a huge achievement if they get there. I'm just saying that history often tends to repeat itself, and the fact that you know not only did she meet with the Trump administration four years ago, but within those four years, they also formed a gang of automakers to try to limit um, California's example of setting their own EPA standards. That you know, which we talked about previously, Toyota jumped on board with that. So Mm -hmm. I really take that with a grain of salt. And bear in mind, this was in one of the articles I read is that electric vehicles still only account for a tiny three percent of the whole
1: automotive segment yeah three well, percent of sales they, even five years ago it wasn't three, they were like maybe half a percent so if you look at three that percent, might be true percent five years ago that's growth so they're looking at they're not looking at the trend no they got to look at the trend in the, in the next 10 years
0: yeah that might be so the trend the, the trend might be going up there but what i'm seeing is that you know right now you still have to bring other people on board with zero emissions vehicles, and you know I I doubt that mark is going to move by much in ten years. That's just my 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 opinion. Think about it. Every electric vehicle sold right now is either bought by extremely progressive people, environmentally you know folk who care about the environment, or people who want the newest and best technology that's out there. It's not bought by, you know, the guy who wants to replace his Corolla with a with a, with a Model Y. He's like, no, because There's still such things as as much as we're going to talk about that in this next subject, range anxiety is still a thing. New technologies, you know, as far as automotive is concerned, it's hard to take your hand off something like that and embrace something as novel, even as a hybrid, where there's still a gas engine involved. There's also going to be that the fact that this is a tectonic shift in thinking from a large automaker like GM. As much as Exxon, you know, Exxon Mobil made, made that announcement, the fact of the matter is that it's going to cause ripples in the oil and gas industry, because if you think about it, every fluid that an automobile needs to run is based on crude oil in some way, shape or form. So when it comes to like and this is something one of, the, one of the analysts talked about when he, when he wrote the article is like, you know, they're going to have to start to rethink, Oh, oil and gas might not be our, or cash cow. No, right? we need to think of something else. And if GM starts this trend and let's not kid ourselves, i hope they do succeed right i still want them to succeed as far as that's concerned but knowing their track credit it seems like their decisions kind of shift with the administration that's in power right now they tend to really toe the line according to whichever administration is in power whether it's democrat or republican biden had made an announcement later i think either before or after she made the announcement I started signing all these executive orders about, you know, regarding environment, cleaner, um, electric vehicles, you know, that that all the all the uh, fossil fuel vehicles in the government are going to be no electrified, trucked away and, and electrified. So, again, I, mean, I hope they succeed. But GM's track history doesn't really gives me pause in that concern.
1: I mean, that's fair. That's that's those are all fair points. But at the same time, you can't look at what it is. Again, you can't look at what the situation is now. You have to look at the trend now and extrapolate that over the next 10, 15 years, right? There was a point in time when everybody had desktops and no one had the internet. like, oh, who needs the internet and all this stuff? Who needs a cell phone? Who needs uh, a, a smartphone, Even right? I remember the, the shift from 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 regular flip phones and regular ass cell phones with, with number pads to uh, touchscreen smartphones? At first it was like, who needs any of these things, right? It was only a small percentage, and it's exactly the same people that you just mentioned early adopters, um, progressive people, and 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 people who are super into technology. Those are the people who were buying those things at the time. And everybody was like, Well, no one else needs one of these things. And next thing you know, in 10 years, everybody has one of them. So you can't look at the you can't look at the situation now and be like, well, everybody still has range anxiety. There was a point in time when no one could, you and I couldn't picture typing out messages on a touch screen. And, and and look now, you know what I mean? We needed to have a tactile keyboard. I know we're all super comfortable tapping away on our, on our smartphone screens. So to me, that's not an issue. This time is different, right? Because in the past, there's no company is going to make a huge announcement like that, right? Because I don't think they made any similar announcements like that in the past. Not that bold. So... They're looking at the market. They're looking at the trends, and they're saying, "This is where we need to go. This is the direction we need to go." And I think they even started making moves like that by making similar announcements with what they're going, what they're planning to do with, uh, with Cadillac. Um, I don't remember the exact. I think they were they wanted to move Cadillac first into a fully electric space. And yeah, they didn't make that announcement. Yes, it's a huge announcement, and but once you start seeing them putting their money where their mouth is, I hate using that term. Once you're seeing them actually producing and making tangible products and concepts that speak to their their aspirations of their net carbon zero aspirations, then we can have a little bit more of a discussion about it. But I think it's a step in the right direction. I'm optimistic that they're going to move according to their aspiration and they're not going to, yeah, they're going to be, you know, hiccups and stuff. But you got to set a goal and move towards it. And I think this time is a little bit different. Two points. I don't think you can really compare the
0: smartphones that we have now to the automobiles that are less let's remember the automobile has changed little in the hundred years as far as what powers it. It's changed very little. And the con and the smartphones that we have now are really a convenience. It's made life a little bit more convenient, things are easier to get, information. easy to get to because it's right there in your hand well no we can't we can't we can't you can't live life without it or life is extremely difficult without one no that's that might be true but when you think about making a switch from a gas-powered car to an electric vehicle you're you know unless technology gets gets to a point where it's actually more convenient which i doubt it's going to get to in, in the next 10 years you know it still takes a fair bit of time to Get the vehicle up to a full charge, right? You, you, you they're still.
1: Oh, these are all. These are you're making these. I, this is under one. it's not I, a multiple challenge. I, like the technology is going to grow to meet it. You know what I mean? Like it's going. It, it, no, it, no what I'm saying, Roger, is that I, I, I understand. Say, you can't look at the challenge, now and say, "Oh, well, we can't do this." No, so this is way more different. No, the technology is already catching. Battery technology is light years in the last three years alone. Battery technology is way ahead of where it was. 10 years ago when Tesla started.
0: Yeah, I understand what you're saying, Roger. I understand that the battery technology is getting better, but it's still even 10 years from now, it's still going to be a big ask to get somebody to spend for for the technology rather to get to a point where someone can go in and spend $25,000 on a car and not have some sort of range anxiety. Because think about it. It takes me literally two minutes to gas up my car and drive all the way from Miami to Orlando without having to stop, right? It's a very, very big ask, and it's still going to be a big ask because there's still the people who, let's say for example, there's still the people who want to buy a, let's say a $30,000 truck that can do the things that normal trucks do right now without having to worry about how dependable is this thing going to be? Will it be able to do the work that I want it to do? Will it be able to go the distance it needs to go? What I'm saying, Roger, is that it's still going to, even ten years from now, it's still going to be a big ass to get a good amount of the population to buy into that technology. I I want it to get there. Don't get me wrong, I want it to get there. If the success of the, Marlon, if the, su- but it's still going to be a big ass And remember, the technology has to come to
1: a point where the ordinary man can afford it. Right. If the success of the of the Tesla Model Three is. Of the la- in the last year is any indication. All yeah. that stuff you're talking about is going to be resolved inside. I mean, it's already been resolved. It just needs to be mass produced and mass marketed. Like we're already at the point where that stuff is, that we're, we're, where those things are becoming less and less of a thing. They're becoming like this. If you look and just look at the success of the Model 3, you really think that if, you know, every, if, if every major automaker gets to the point where they're making electric vehicles, all of a sudden, guess what's going to happen, right? All that stuff about ranging, the, the the charging technology is already improving and is going to get better. It's only going to get better, right? Like, we, we didn't have wireless charging for our cell phones three years ago. You don't think that the, the charging technology for, for for electric vehicles isn't going to improve in 10 years? Oh no,
0: that's not what I'm saying. I'm that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that what what, what I'm seeing is that you're equating the convenience that we have of a cell phone now, right? You're equating that convenience to an automobile, to a just to, to an object that hasn't changed that that's changed very little in in the last 100 years.
1: There's there's a whole I don't see I don't see be- why I don't see why I can't do that. I don't see why I can't do that. Because we were I mean, It might be you, Roger, but I'm, I'm talking about the general population. I'm saying, Maren, I don't see why I can't make that why I can't make that comparison. Why is that comparison invalid? I don't understand why that comparison is I'm making the point that technology is going to shift and has been shifting under our feet without us noticing time over time over time. You know what I mean? I don't see why this used to be a big old chunky thing that you used to dial. That technology 30, 30 years ago, yeah. Yeah, but that technology before the advent of the wireless cell phone hadn't changed since the inception of this of the phone much in what a hundred years. So I don't see the difference. The technology is going to evolve. I don't see the difference. It just it, it changes. It's not going to be this seismic shift that, oh wow, okay, all of a sudden. No, it takes time. It's going to be incremental. And that's all I'm saying. In 10 years' time, you're going to forget what you just said to me. And I'm going to remind you
0: doubt it but (laughs) i doubt it again to be clear i do want the technology to get there i i and if it gets there great fantastic i am a big fan of of what tesla is doing right now don't get me wrong i'm a big fan of what they're doing right now right
1: you don't think long-term tesla is on is on the right track of course they're on the right track tesla is on the right track what i'm saying is so 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 why isn't gm you're you're saying something like oh all of a sudden They're not going like trucks, and people are going to have range anxiety, and it's a big ask even ten years from now to for people. No, you can't say that way. Is it just if you're going to say if you're going to if you're making the point that you you don't have any faith in GM specifically? Okay, fine. But like the other stuff with the market on a larger scale, no man, I don't buy that.
0: I don't have any faith in GM. As a matter of fact, I don't have much faith in 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 the big American automakers because again. But they're 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 yeah. they less forward thinking. As a matter of fact, like, you made a point earlier about Volkswagen wanting to have an, an electric version of every vehicle they sell it in a certain amount of time. Toyota is well on that way right now. Yeah, they but- have. They, they, there's either an electric version or a hybrid version of practically every vehicle they sell right now. Mm-hmm. They're well on their way as far as that's concerned.
1: The thing with Toyota is that hybrid technology has been around for 20-something years. It's been improved on, yes, but it's one of those things. It's largely unchanged, and that's more so to bring them in line with the fuel economy standards, the existing fuel economy standards, or the goal for fuel economy standards over the next 5, 10 years, okay? It's not the bold sort of reach that GM is making or even that Volkswagen is making, right? hybrid hybrid cars still emit still emit co2 they're they're much more efficient but as you scale them up there becomes a there becomes a point where the return is limited you know what i mean like you can't the efficiency of the 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 maximum efficiency of a hybrid powertrain is limited
0: yeah it's limited because that's what happens when you when you try to bridge two technologies together like that there's a there's a
1: point of diminishing returns if you will exactly Yeah, Toyota is way ahead in terms of having another version, another powertrain version of every vehicle in its lineup, but it's not the same. You can't equate that to Volkswagen's goal of an electric version of every vehicle in the lineup. It's not the same. First of I mean, obviously, because electric technology is much, or electric vehicle technology is much less prominent now than hybrid. Everybody has a hybrid and has some kind of hybrid now, right? And Toyota, for their part, they're putting their chips on fuel cell technology rather than electric. Right, hydrogen technology. So that's a whole other thing. And, I mean, they have their version, the, was it the Mirai? The Mirai. Mm-hmm. Second second version, which is still, to this day, not widely available. It's only, I think, available in, at least in North America, it's only available in, like, California and only as a lease. And there's only, like, two fuel cell fueling stations or hydrogen fueling stations <laughs> in the whole state. So, <laughs> you know, that that's a much younger technology. I think it's a more, a better, I said it before, I think fuel, um, hydrogen power is a much more, convenient isn't the word, but it's a better solution than, than, than electric because it doesn't have the waste issues and the compounding problems of mining for rare earth metals that, mm-hmm battery technology has so i'm a little bit more bullish on fuel cell technology but getting off into the weeds here that said though gm good luck i hope you i hope you 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 succeed i'm not skeptical of whether or not your intent is pure i'm skeptical of whether or not you will actually be able to attain your stated goal within the stated time that's it that's my piece
0: yeah, hopefully another CEO doesn't come to power and say, ah, we're not going to do that. We're going to do something else. That's GM often So GM will die. Which is why I'm skeptical about that. Anyway, moving on.
1: That's when, GM, when they do that, that's when, if they do that, that's when GM dies.
0: Mm. Well, moving on. So the other piece of news I wanted to touch on is, holy crap, the new, the Tesla Model S has been, yeah, I wouldn't say redesigned, but refreshed. Still has the same platform, but the interior is a whole other animal. We're talking about, nice. you know, the, we're talking about it. The, you know, the infotainment used to be vertically oriented; now it's horizontally oriented in the same vein as a Model Y. But the, I guess the pièce of résistance—how to pronounce that? I'm not French. <laughs> <or> is <laughs> is the steering wheel?
1: The steering wheel is this half. What do you call it? Half it's square dope. shaped. You're a pilot, man. You just described it as, an, as a yoke. It's yolk. a yoke. It's a what? That's what it is. It's, a, it's like a 767-style yoke. And as
0: fantastic as that looks and as much, as, as exciting as, as as it is, as fresh as the interior looks, it, I'm excited for it. There are uh, one or two issues with the steering wheel that uh <laughs> to touch on that.
1: Yeah, well, no, no. Before we get a little bit further into the steering wheel issue, I mean, yes, the steering wheel is probably the most prominent and controversial change. It's like Kit from Knight Rider. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, they did did make a couple of interesting changes as well. Um, One, they changed the screen, the the, the, um, infotainment touchscreen from a portrait uh, orientation to a landscape orientation to kind of like more fall in line with what's in place in the model y and the and the and the model three. So there's that. They also upgraded the the dash screen. So n- unlike the model y they're, they're still gonna have a secondary screen for the driver. Um what else Marlon? they i mean they made a couple of really yeah. oh yeah they added a screen they added a screen um for rear seat passengers that basically displays what's on the front screen and I think um Elon Musk when they made the announcement, they said basically it's a gaming computer on wheels, which is kind of awesome. You can run the Witcher on it if you want. <laughs> uh, what else? The other <clears throat> the other
0: thing that the other thing that they did was someone had asked them, you know, because if you notice in the in, in the picture, and you guys can probably you know search for it online and look for it, there are no stocks behind the steering wheel. Yeah. yeah yeah everything the one person so one person had asked so wait there is a stock behind the steering wheel on the old model or on the current model I should say where you could actually shift the transmission from you know from park to reverse to driver or whatnot mm-hmm. that's not there there's nothing there and it looks I mean it it, it, it cleans up the interior a little bit it makes it look, look a little bit more efficient but one person had asked Elon Musk on Twitter so how do we put it into gear and his answer was well the car is going to guess.
1: Which sort
0: of a firestorm? <laughs> so his explanation was um the car software is almost an extension of the autopilot uh you know self-driving software where the car is going to use cameras, GPS data, geographical maps to kind of guess where it is and decide using and using that data to decide, oh, I am facing a wall, I need to shift into reverse now the car is doing this automatically and you know just like any kind of self-driving software that's in any car for example you really need to be paying attention as a driver now he did say that yet yeah, that, that you can override it by selecting the gear on the i don't know if it's a touch screen in it in the gauge cluster i would have i would think it's the infotainment screen that you can actually manually change the gear on the infotainment screen but you have to be paying attention
1: let's put it that way it's, it's, it's going to sound funny coming off of that last um, topic, where I'm like, yeah, I'm the forward-thinking one, right? But <laughs> this decision to me is is bold uh, in the in the wrong sort of way, right? Like, why would you want to take that simple decision away from the driver slash operator? Because that's what you that's what you are. You now when you're driving an electric, a Tesla, you drive. You're an operator. You're not a driver. Why would you want to take that away? Like, what what purpose does that serve? Suppose I need to make a five point turn, right? Like, how exactly am I going to trust the car to determine when I need to be going forward and when I need to be going backward in a situation like that? No, like, don't bury it in the screen. At least give me, at least give me one switch. Make it a button. Make it a button on the steering wheel. Something. I'm sure there was some other solution to that issue instead of, you know, making it a function of the car's operating system i don't like it they can keep it not interested (laughs) other than that the interior looks nice it does it really does it and and marlon i think you said at one point that you know it it needed a a refresh because it was getting kind of long in the tooth (laughs) I, i don't know man the model s the interior the model s overall was still Even almost 10 years later, one of the most futuristic cars looking cars on the market inside and out. So I don't know that it necessarily needed a refresh. However, it's a welcome change. And, you know, the changes that, you know, at least on the face, on the surface are are good ones. But to go back to the that controversial bit that we mentioned at the top of this, the (laughs) steering wheel. Marlon described it as a as like a, a the yoke from a seven six seven, and it's not too far off. Guys, if you were if you watch Knight Rider back in the day, like the wheel, like a kit style steering wheel, it's like that. Funny thing is, shortly after, maybe like the day after they made the announcement, the uh, National Highway Transportation Safety Administration (NHTSA) feds called up uh, Tesla and were like, you know, nice steering wheel you got there but i don't think it's entirely legal so we're going to put this under review so yes nice steering wheel but we're not sure whether it's going to be it's legal enough enough legal enough it's legal so we we don't know if it's legal and if as a result if it's actually going to make it into the car but they created a buzz and i think that's what tesla and elon musk is they're known for
0: yeah i was I was going to add to that that um you would think that an interior like that, you know, if they're planning to put it into production that they would have probably passed it by any exchange and say, Hey, right, we yeah. want to do this. What do you is it legal? Can we do this? Because we want to put it into production and we don't want to put anything up. But then I remember, wait, we, we're talking about Tesla and Elon Musk. Here. They're, they're they're
1: gonna just do stuff and then yeah, they shoot first figuring questions. Figure it out them. later. <laughs> they shoot first and ask questions later. Oh, we'll just we'll design around it or whatever the it, Whatever it is. It's funny, you know, because I think Tesla is one of the one of the few companies I think that's like <laughs> run more or less by engineers. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to see them take this approach where they're, they're putting out their designs and their ideas and then like, you know, watching them after the fact. So it's, it's, it's cool to see. And, um, Oh, Oh man, we almost forgot the next, the, the other thing with, with the update, they, they, with the plaid version, we we almost forgot that. Like, yeah there's, a, yeah, there's a Plaid Plus version. Yeah, the performance, the Tesla Performance version of the Model S is now called the Plaid in keeping with, you know, what they did for 2020. And the Performance Plus is going to be called the Plaid Plus. The Plaid
0: Plus, they've updated the car's powertrains and battery packs and expects 520 miles of range from the Plaid Plus, right? And range anxiety what, Marlon? Range anxiety what? Look. <laughs> Look, when that five hundred and twenty miles comes down to like thirty thousand dollars, I'll be happy. But oh, yeah, for you know, know, you gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. But, but but for now, I think I think the Lucid area really lit a fire under there, and like, oh, we gotta respond to this. Right. So you know, you know, there's a competition breeds innovation. That's exactly what's going on here. We can only benefit from that. But as far as Tesla's concerned, yo, I'm happy. I'm excited. If that steering wheel passes muster, great. I think you forgot
1: something. The the, the one number that all enthusiasts salivate over yeah. oh that's right so
0: with a new range and uh some updated powertrain, I, I didn't see a horsepower figure in there but zero to 60 time for the i think it's a plat plus model mm-hmm. guys you're not going to believe this you see these tesla model s's drag racing anything from hellcats to to gt 500s to supercars and the like on you know on, on drag racing tracks the 0 to 60 time is 1.99 seconds. Think about that. 1.99 seconds and the time it takes for me to say 1.99 seconds, the car's already at 60 miles an hour. Think about that for a second. I don't care what supercar you have. I don't I don't care if you have a F12 super fast or no A12 Superfast. I don't care if you have a Lamborghini Aventador i really don't care if you have a bugatti chiron this model s tesla model s um, plat plus edition is probably going to beat the car bear in mind what the manufacturer states for these um performance times is often conservative mm-hmm. right so i would expect that when the plat plus comes out and it gets into the hands of journalists hopefully i'm one of them we'll see hey tesla <laughs> when they do their testing the plat plus is actually going to beat that figure i mean it's insane just all kinds of insane rider it's stupid it's a stupid party trick and i can't wait to do it i mean again if if you've ever felt just just an electric vehicle launch if you've ever felt that launch this is going to be even more violent
1: (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait wait. all right so yeah so that's it for the news guys uh Tesla killing it gm killing Marlon over here <laughs> so we're got we're gonna move on to the next topic here I went ahead and took the liberty of creating a personal top ten list now for those of you who are in the market for a used car this is just this this right here is for you and if you guys I think some of these picks may be considered controversial Marlon definitely had some uh some things to say about a couple of them. Damn right. But uh, we're gonna start with the list. So first of all, off top, the main thing here, we're looking for used cars, used cars in the North American market for, they have to be recent models. So basically within the last 10 years, so 2010 model year and um, later, right? They have to be, for the most part, uh, I think I made one exception on the list here. But for the most part, they need to, they, they need to be under $30,000 or around $10,000 less than the average transaction price for a new vehicle, which is about thirty seven dollars to $38,000 as of Q4 2020, I think is the last number I saw. And what else did we say? Oh, the other criteria was I wanted to have one repre- only one representative per manufacturer. So... And and the other thing is, I made it very clear that I'm not going to include typical choices like Honda Accord, Toyota Camry, uh, Toyota Prius, that kind of stuff. Like so, basically, this this list is void of Toyotas and Hondas <laughs> for the most part, right? because we all know that those are you know strong buys no matter what. So these are a little bit out of the box here. Okay, so without further ado. This list is in is not in any particular order. It's just, you know, a general ten best choices. Personally, like I, this is my opinion, which is my opinion. It's just a list, people. And I and I'm looking forward to hearing feedback. Like I said, I think some of these choices will uh, excite and or infuriate you. So, what we got here, Marlon? What was the first on the list? Here we go. My first pick, and sort of what generated the interest to make this list. Was a, a Mercedes Benz E350 from 2012 to 2017. You can have one of these vehicles, like especially an earlier model, like a 2014 15 for around $15,000. My favorite among out of all these years is probably the 2016 because the, the technology obviously is there. But by 2016, they've ironed out a lot of the little, you know, electronic niggles and problems and largely this vehicle is problem-free. So like I said, for that price, for that amount, for that price, you've already, you know, you don't have to deal with the depreciation. The majority of the depreciation is already gone because you're paying, you know, $60,000 for a brand new one anyway. So getting one for a quarter of the price just about is a bargain. You can't beat Mercedes luxury. You can't beat, well, you can't beat Mercedes reliability, but this version of the E350 is one of the most reliable European cars that you can buy on the market. And overall, for what you're getting, for the money that you're paying, like, okay, you know, to me, this is a really strong view, strong view. Big car, luxurious, good V6 that pulls. You're, you're, you should want for nothing if you own this car. All right, so three
0: things first thing first thought was why i brand mercedes up there right up there along with bmw and audi maybe a little maybe a little bit more than bmw maybe a much more than audi but still as far as reliability is concerned if something breaks it's going to be expensive that said though you know i took some time to really think about why roger placed this German car on the list, and Your German the German. The more I thought about it, the more there are disclaimers to make when you when you when you list this car. Number one, the E three hundred and fifty is a valid used car deal only if it's a lightly optioned model. Yes. Yeah. Okay. One hundred percent agree. The V six is one of Mercedes better built engine uh, powertrains right and i think a a lightly optioned uh, version is going to be super 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 reliable for the for the main reason that there's just less to go wrong that's probably the only reason why i think the car should be there if you start if you start getting into like air suspension and different you know electronic options in the car then you're asking for things then you're really asking for reliability issues with this car right other than that a lightly used option a lightly used version rather i think is would be up there as a as a good deal
1: yeah that's that, um, that's that's a really good point to make i'm, I'm when i when i mention this I'm, I'm thinking of a lightly optioned e350 you can take you can probably even take the plunge and go for an e550 not an amg right but one with the v8 and still be happy, but you're going to get out some of those, you know, some of those things that can go wrong that are very expensive to repair when that happens. And, um, we need to make a, I want to make a a clear difference between the cost to maintain and the cost to repair, right? Because the cost to maintain Mercedes based on my personal experience is not stupid high. If you get, if you have a good mechanic, um, but the cost to repair some of these things, simply because of the unique choices that German engineers tend to make when designing these cars, that does, they don't make them really easy to repair. And, you know, even like a $5 piece can cost, you know, close to $1,000 to repair just based on the amount of labor that's involved in getting to that piece. So just food for thought. Um, again, recommend a lightly optioned version. That's and it. you may
0: get and you may get offended when I say that, but if you're a brand, if you're a brand snob and you want a Mercedes Benz and you
1: want you want you want to pay a little for it, that's a good option right there. That's that's the one to get. That's the one to get. All right. So, so next, something I guess on the opposite side of that spectrum, right? Um, a competitor to the E350, I chose uh the Lexus GS350 a 2015 to 2018 version. This is one of our favorite cars for a number of reasons, but I think the first thing to point out at the top is that the GS is not a cheap car used at all. Uh especially the later versions are difficult to find for under $30,000, but you can find that you know, like a 2015-16 for around between 25 and $30,000 no problem. Uh in terms of options, I would go with uh, an F Sport model and I mean th- there isn't much to be said about the gs that hasn't been said already it's super reliable you get a super torquey v6 that you know is one of lexus's gems that they have in almost everything powerful smooth like butter smooth and then just you just have the lexus build quality and reliability that you can't i mean there's nothing quite like it and the other thing that's important to note is that the reason why these cars i mean there's a reason why these cars are so expensive even used and they hold their value so by the time you get the hold get the hold of a 2015 2016 model it's already suffered all the depreciation that is going to happen you can keep it and expect to get a very good return when it's time to trade it or sell it so you have a really comfortable really luxurious really powerful really reliable luxury car can't beat it marlon uh, there's there's not much else to say i mean the gs again
0: is is one of our favorite cars and you know it's sad that lexus killed it because you know it just wasn't selling and you know we we, we talked about that on an earlier episode but that drives up the value and it does right. because now the car is really going to be sought after mm-hmm. right you know two points to make as a famous youtuber mechanic once said at a hundred thousand miles that car is just being broken in so that car will run forever as long as you keep up with the maintenance that car will literally run forever right that's one the other point is again like we say all the time when you're buying cars get in try out the infotainment system because the Lexus infotainment system as Roger can <laughs> testify <laughs> is one of the worst in the industry so if you can if you can, if you can things the only big point against it if you can Get by that, and you can. If that's not a point of contention in your in in your reasons for buying a Lexus GS 350, absolutely, 100% recommend that car. Yep. All right. So yep.
1: you know that's that's about as much as I as I can say about it. One of our favorites. All right. Good. 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 All right. So next on the list, we're going to go in a slightly different direction here, uh, and and enter the world of uh, small crossovers. And for this pick, we chose—well, I chose—and Marlon co-signed <laughs> the Mazda CX-5, a 2016 to 2018. You can get a really good example of one of these for less than twenty grand, usually around 15000 dollars. The CX-5 is one of our favorite crossovers. Uh, They—I've rec- you know, recommended um, a couple of friends to purchase, and they've bought them and been very happy with them. They're reliable, they're quite luxurious. They're fun to drive for a crossover, but they're just fun to drive, period, right? And then you get the the Mazda, the reliability and value that they're known for. One thing that you could probably say against it is, you know, the infotainment system, even at that time was a little bit dated, but it still worked. Mazda has made inroads in making their cars their vehicles a little bit more upmarket. So, I think the 2016 CX-5 was probably the f- first concerted step in that direction even though they hadn't really fully executed it executed it yet, and I think the 2018 was like where they fully realized that upmarket vision. So, that's that's all I can say about it. You should be very happy if you if you're in the market for a small SUV, the CX-5 new or used is one of the best you can you can get. Uh, absolutely i mean i i i reviewed a 2020
0: version you can read it on on flyguidedrives.com it's bas- it's essentially the same vehicle as a as a 2017 2018 you know with a few option changes here and there but it's it's a premium vehicle i mean you look inside a vehicle and the quality is in my mind anyway approaches audi levels of quality mm-hmm. right everything feels premium to the touch the car isn't just sporting to drive for a crossover it's sporting to drive period you know, Mazda does a good job of in, of injecting that little dose of sportiness in their vehicles that just permeates throughout their per, throughout their portfolio, right? You know, the you know, you talk about driving an MX-5. I'm not yeah. saying the six 5 is a good impression of that, but it, <laughs> for a crossover, it really comes close. And when you compare the driving experience, something like a Rav4 or a CRV, nothing really comes close to that. Yeah, it doesn't really. So, come close. Yeah. So yeah, definitely the CX five is uh, is approaching Audi levels of premium feel. It's a very sharp looking crossover, even you know being on the market for nearly for nearly ten years, it's still a sharp looking vehicle. Uh, the resale value is going to be up there as well, and it's also very reliable. Mm-hmm. I mean, It might not have Toyota levels of rock solid reliability, but I I I would I would hazard I guess that you're not gonna have much problems with that, even with a usable one going down the road.
1: Yeah. So the only thing that's kind of questionable is the build quality and how it, how they, the, the, the not the reliability, but the, not the build quality either. No, not the build quality, but the the, the sort of the the durability over time of some of the yes. interior materials. That's still you know just gonna reveal itself over time. But for right now, you know, you, you, it's a fantastic vehicle. Yeah, you can't you can't go wrong with one of those. All right, so we're we're back into controversial te- territory now, right? i'm not gonna say it i I went with the uh volvo s90 next on the list 2017 2019 you're gonna notice that there are a couple of uh luxury choices on this list uh the s90 is it's hard to say that it's i think the thing that the, the s90 has going for it more than anything is uniqueness and I would even say quality and luxury. I mean, you can get a really nice 2017 S90 now for about 20 grand. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the S90 competes in the same space as the, uh, what do you say, Mark, the five series or the seven series? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a bit of a tweener. Very luxurious. Um, when that infotainment system, when that Volvo T design came out, the new design language came out xc90 was the first to be released and then the s90 came shortly afterwards and i had the the benefit of driving the s the xc90 at the time and i was very impressed i had it for a couple days i was very impressed i actually rented it yeah. yeah, for my wedding I actually rented it for Marlon's wedding and he was like oh this is dope all right cool it's dope, dope. <laughs> but to go back to the s90 the s90 is basically the same interior it's the same interior across almost all the volvo models and They're really nice, really quality, high quality. And surprisingly, maybe not surprising, but at the time, people are kind of questioning whether or not Volvo's interiors and quality would hold up over time, and they have, actually. So, but, you know, depreciation is kind of a bitch, and it hit the S90 hard, so you can get one of these beauties for around $20,000, $25,000 right now. Yeah, so I drove its... Little
0: brother, the S60, um, a couple of years back was a it was a T6 all-wheel drive, um, with the I believe it was a I it was a turbocharged and supercharged two-liter four-cylinder engine, and I had nothing but good things to say. And 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 what whatever I said that about the S60 kind of applies to the S90. Yes, um, it, it it's the 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 exterior language is just striking. I mean, from the X from the XC90 all the way down to um to the XC40 and the S60, it's just timeless. It's something that ages gracefully. Yeah. And the interior quality, absolutely, absolutely up there with Audi. I mean, you know, Volvo is, Volvo as a as a Swedish automaker goes its own way with styling and it really stands out, out there. Yeah. The only thing that I wasn't really hot on was the the census infotainment system. It was a little bit slow to respond. The 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 controls were a little bit janky. I personally didn't really have much good things to say about it. I wouldn't say it's as bad as Lexus because nothing really beats Lexus in that regard. But that said, I mean, you know, with with, with infotainment systems these days, there's, a, there's going to be some kind of learning curve involved, right? And once you spend some time with the car, I doubt you'll have any problems navigating the infotainment system. The S90 might be um, the bigger version to the S60 but uh, it, it might not be as sporting as the X 60 but I would say it's a good buy.
1: Yeah, you know, to, on, the, on the infotainment, I think the problem with the earlier versions up until about 2019 was that they definitely undercooked it in terms of the computing power that was available at the time. They didn't really give it the best um, CPU. So they made changes to that, I think, starting in the 2019 model year. And since then... the the performance has been has has significantly been improved um so yeah if you're getting a 2017 you might be getting something that's slightly a screen that's slightly less responsive than you would probably like it to be but in terms of design you're going to be really happy with it i think in my opinion yeah it's a good car and i think it's a really good
0: alternative if you don't if you're not a badge snub and you don't want a Mercedes Audi
1: BMW vehicle I think s 90 is a good alternative it's a unique it's a definitely a for someone who wants to like get away from that it's definitely a, a strong contender yep all right so next on the list we have the <laughs> one of my favorites the Acura TSX and this is the 2009 to 2014 model here the TSX the original TSX when it came out was an amazing vehicle I really wanted one and but i ended up going in a different direction at the time as we all know at this point point. and the follow-up to the original the second generation tsx which this recommendation is made improvements in all the right places one of the things that really stands out to me with this car is actually how actually luxurious it is those seats are fantastic right the seats are amazing like the, the cushioning And the the quality of the materials in there, really, 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 really good. What else? The driving that they retained a lot of the driving dynamics of the original and improved on them in some in some places. And overall, like it's a super reliable, super reliable luxury car. Like you, it's this is a really good car. And if you can get a wagon version, even better, because those things are very rare and very desirable and they hold their value really well. I have a friend who has, I think it's a 2011 or 12 TSX um, that he's had for a few years now. And it looks just as new as it did when it was on the lot. It looks amazing. Marlon, thought. Yeah, yeah the TSX is definitely, again,
0: one of one of our favorite cars. And, you know, to be honest, some of my friends might, might attack me again for this for seeing something like this, but if you do get the wagon version, you're getting a rare car, and the wagon is is actually my favorite version of the car. Yeah, um, yeah, mine too. Mine too. You know, it 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 stands out. You know, it's 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 just as sporty as a sedan. Um, you may not be able to get the V6 option in in the wagon. It was only available with a two point four um two point four the smaller engine, the four cylinder engine, but you get the practicality of a wagon the sportiness of the the inherent sportiness of the TSX platform and the reliability, because at its roots, it's a Honda product, you know? So, and it's, and and just like a Honda product, it's going to hold its value right over time. So definitely a good buy there.
1: Yeah. I would actually opt for the, the the four cylinder version instead of the V6 that's probably (laughs) going against the uh, larger thought process here on, on, on Roadhogs. But <laughs> I would, <laughs> yeah, I, I would be a little bit more keen on the four-cylinder version, simply because I think those those v, the V6s from Honda at that time tended to have some problems. So go for the four-cylinder. You might be going a little bit slow, but you're still going to maintain that. The, the, the platform is still the same. So you're still going to have a sport to drive, just not a very fast one absolutely absolutely all right so back into controversial territory i feel like we're alternating here but um, (laughs) at this point right but back into controversial territory at least at the very least really unique and this is one of marlon and i's favorite quirky cars and this is the the ford flex from 2015 to 2019 obviously they 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 go a little bit further back, but for this list, we're going with the 2015 and above um, versions. Uh, and I feel like I should let you take charge on this one. What do you say, Marlon? <laughs> what do you say about the Ford Flex? Now, how many of you out there
0: know what know what the Ford Flex is? I doubt many of you know what that vehicle is, but the Ford Flex is a. Uh, it's not quite a crossover, but it it's is not a minivan because it has four doors. It's a wagon. But it's again, it's 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 one of those vehicles that's very very hard to define. But in that same vein, it's it's a practical vehicle. It's a good road trip vehicle. It's a good family vehicle. It's a reliable vehicle. It it's a vehicle that looks like nothing else on the road.
1: You know what the, you know what it looks like. It kind of looks like the profile at least looks like one of those really old Chevy Suburbans yeah you know we you know if the if suburban was a little bit closer to the ground and yeah it, old, it, it, it does look like some of those the old old ones with the like with the wood paneling and mm-hmm. <laughs> right
0: i think it's a good buy and you know you can't really find these things anymore because people realize how good they are and this um yeah in, in the later teens you know the flex wasn't selling very well so ford nixed it because you know wasn't selling well in other right because it was very hard to
1: it was kind of hard to sell the vehicle it was hard. It, like it, it occupied a really in terms of Ford's lineup it occupied a very s- strange um place right cuz think of all the SUVs that Ford sells right you got the you got the um the, the Edge, Edge, Escape the Explorer the, the uh the Edge the Expedition Expedition I said Edge Expedition yeah. So like, you know, in there you have the the flex. All of Ford's SUVs start with the letter E, and then you have the flex, right? But there's something to be said about the fact that it, one, it's a it's comfortably seats seven adults. Two, it's large but not overly large. It's still it's still a car at the end of the day, right? It still rides on, I think it's the same platform as the Taurus, the Ford Taurus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's it, it drives like a car it's comfortable to drive easy to drive and it's but it's not overwhelmingly large so for people I know there are some of us out there who aren't so keen on on the idea of driving a terribly large vehicle the, the Ford flex was not too intimidating right um, and again like it's super I mean the main thing here is that it's super practical and for Ford also very reliable it does yes. have a lot of the problems that similar Ford products are that era talking talking about like the focus and the um and the escape it doesn't have a lot of those problems with the transmission that those vehicles had back in the day so or still have so you buy a Ford Flex if you get a Ford Flex I think you're gonna be very 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 surprised and happy with
0: your purchase and to add on to that if you want something that's like the ford flex but just a little bit more premium and you don't mind the polarizing styling ugly you could, you could get a lincoln mkt it's a um it's ugly car it's, fantastic. It's, it's an ugly car i'm i'm just going to say it right it's a it's a very polarizing to be politically correct car as far as the styling is concerned i mean i mean these cars were the mkts were bought were bought more by as, as fleet vehicles to be like limousines and yeah, if you Uber Black's. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. So, no, it's it's a it's a very polarizing car. I mean, with the styling you, you you lose some of that practicality that's baked into the Flex because the styling kind of kind of shines away from the of practicality standpoint. Mm-hmm. But because it's based on the on the Flex's bones, it's a it's still an equally good car as well.
1: Well, equally you know, reliable and yeah, it's a bad- um, just a, just a fancier looking Flex, if you will. It's a badge engineered Ford Flex, and we decry badge engineer but in this case, like because you can get one on the used market for more for the same, if not less than a Ford Flex, and typically people aren't looking for Lincoln MKTs; they're looking for Ford Flexes if they are looking at all. You can probably get one for a pretty good bargain. So just yeah. throwing that out there right if you can't get the ford flex and you can get over some unusual looks then the mkt is a more than viable alternative all right yeah i i I totally see myself getting getting some hate mail for that (laughs) for liking that car but moving on All right yeah so this one so this next pick is not quite controversial maybe in the larger scope of things but it's definitely controversial here at the road hogs right we constantly take a dump on this badge. <laughs> so just say it. I think it's a great value, even though I, when I was in the market, I was looking at it, but I didn't go with it. I still think it's a great value to this day. And I'm looking at the Infinity Q fifty slash Q sixty from 2017 and above. So 2016s, the ones that had the 3.7 V sixes, we're not talking about those. We're talking about specifically the three liter turbo powered ones. Right, those are the cars, right? Yeah, those, <laughs> yes, the cars the, the Q50 sedan and the
0: Q60 coupe. Infinity's naming scheme is just so confusing, but anyway, go <laughs>
1: ahead. Yeah, man, we said it in the second episode and we're saying it again, but we're gonna have to qualify this one a little bit, right? Because I think we have to take these cars on their own merits and sort of separate them from their competitors. Because if we look at them and compare them to a three series or uh, uh, an I- alexis is or mercedes um, c-class right it's going to lose they, they just don't work compared to those cars but if you're looking for something that's near luxury with decent equipment if not top-of-the-line equipment but with decent equipment and a really 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 good powertrain something that's fast and fun to drive you, you can't really go wrong and even better you can get a really good example of these for around for less than twenty thousand dollars if you shop right. You know, the thing about Infinities is that they don't really hold their value very, very well. I remember when Roger
0: was, was shopping around for for his car back then, he came across some of these Q50s and like literally brand new they were selling for less than what the MSRP was. Mm-hmm. Like a model year later was about ten grand off the original MSRP. And it only had what five, six thousand miles
1: on it. So I mean Yeah, these are to me, these are some of the best bargains on the market right now, right? Especially the Q sixty, because the Q sixty, for all the problems Infinity has in terms of, you know, their current perception right now. The Q sixty in particular is still a really good looking car. It is, it is. It stands out. That's one of the one in terms of looks, that's one of the best designs. And maybe not best, actually. Let me dial it back a little bit one of the most underrated designs out there right now. It's really handsome. And the performance is definitely up there. Like it's, I mean, it's gonna have the same, it has the same engine that's gonna go into the new, um, hopefully that's gonna end up in the new Z. So you can get a new Z for around twenty twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 right now if you buy a Q60,
0: yeah. And it
1: and and you you know again the, the 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 premium especially
0: the interior the premium part of it might not be up to like four series or Mercedes standards,
1: mm-hmm. um, but the technology the, the 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 equipment and technology is definitely lacking. It's, it's it it is lacking. But at its heart, the car is still
0: the Q sixteen in particular is still one a good looking car, two a very sporting car built upon in in you know building upon the the, G, the prior g37 and g35 vehicles and
1: and they're available with all-wheel drive and it's a bargain yeah you can, they can get one with all-wheel drive you can get just a rear-wheel drive you can get and they're again super sporting super fun to drive I drove a 2017 that was the first year the three liter turbo um v6 and I was really really impressed with it like I mean everything else in the car was trash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean relatively speaking right comparatively like I was not impressed with the interior of the car at all. It was comfortable, but it was you know it had the old school sort of dual screen setup that wasn't really all that fun to use and didn't have any other it, it just wasn't it just wasn't good but again, taking the car for what it is and for what it does well, you would be hard f- hard pressed to find a better bargain yeah i mean the, the the
0: one thing with that car and i'll be very briefer the one thing with that car i would probably question is there is a it has a new steering system that it's a very weird feeling when when you first drive it. i don't remember what it's called somebody if you remember what it's called you, you know comment
1: yeah i don't remember but, it's drive by where and it's supposed to be like a progressive steering system and it, it just doesn't work
0: yeah it just doesn't work and Infiniti took took some really took a lot of flack for it you know when it was first introduced so i mean again try it out before you buy it to make sure to make
1: sure it's something you want but i would say stick with the 2017 18 i think because i think the 18 is when they started putting in that new steering system The 2017 but well, the 2017 to me was 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 fun to drive i enjoy driving it um yeah and, and you know what I, I think if you're a more sporting and enterprising driver like you're into driving you're going to care about that that particular feature a little bit more than um you know a, a regular a regular consumer so take that with a grain of salt as well that said for the price that you can get these cars at and for what they offer in terms of performance like it's a bargain like it's a really good value there a good bargain all right so next um one of our favorites i think without further ado i don't think we should spend too much time on this one volkswagen golf gti or r like what more can be said that hasn't been said we're keying in here on the 2015s and above right mark 7s and above like like a lot of the reliability issues that were inherent in some of the recent ones before the 2015 aka. Are, your car. Yeah, are they all gone. Um they've figured out a lot of the reliability issues with the two liter turbo. Um they're still fun to drive. You should absolutely look at the getting a five-door version if you if you're in the market for one. Um yeah, I mean the, it's just a good really good value i love those cars I, yeah I, the, the gti i was a double take when i see one on the road the
0: gti just is the original hot hatch mm-hmm. and you know it, it's just gotten better better and better and i think more focus as of as of late um it's a good value if you want to have a practical yet sporty hot hatch and not spend too much money mm-hmm. um and it's and, and to roger's point it's also gotten very reliable as well They've mixed
1: really, the thing that's that the the volkswagen the gti and the golf are does better than any other competitors is the refinement like yeah they are near maybe not luxury but they're definitely premium cars even not the lowest yes. levels they're premium vehicles and they feel that way as an aside Last week or week and a half, week and a half, ago Golf. I mean, Volkswagen announced that they were canceling the Golf in North America. No more Golf going forward, but they will still make the GTI and the R. So, or still have the GTI and R available. So, no base yeah. of Golfs, just GTIs and R's, and that speaks to, the, to their popularity and mm-hmm. in North America. um Absolutely. So, yeah, you can 2015 and above GTI or R. If you can afford it, get the R. If you can't, or it doesn't really matter to you and the GTI is sporty enough, that the, the GTI is plenty sporty. So yeah. Yeah, I see but before you go any further, I, I, I see you skipped over one here.
0: And I'll just say if you're not a badge, and this one is for you guys who aren't who are not badge snobs, okay? Because I'm you sure. know, we we, 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 we talked about <laughs> we talked about this manufacturer this manufacturer um in a previous episode. We're talking about the 2013 to 2016 Hyundai Equus. Now, again, if you're not a badge snob and you just want a solid, luxurious car that you know offers that, that 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 offers good value for money, the Hyundai Equus, and I'll just add in here the Kia K900. Those are very, very good cars, very reliable cars. Depending on which owner you are in the in, in the lineup, you take advantage of that ten year, hundred thousand mile warranty that the cars will still come with. And the best thing about those cars, you know, other other than the value proposition, um, is that for the price you're paying, they're relatively brand new. I mean, we're talking like you know, I, mean, I mean, we're talking mileage somewhere in the region of like forty five fifty thousand miles.
1: Yeah. They're, they're, no, the
0: Hyundai and Kia are killing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the echos the, the I'm not going to get into the whole history of it, but the Equus is Hyundai's first you know, really strong foray into the space occupied by the upper echelons of the German luxury manufacturers. And while not equal to those efforts, it's definitely a standout and a, and a really good shot across the bow of those guys. I mean, it has a lot of the same equipment available in those big limos. Right, the reclining seats, massages front and back. Uh, is it, it? It. They have. Ecos has everything that those things have for a fraction of a fraction of the cost. I. I'm not in the market for a big luxury buyers like that. But if you are looking for one and you're on a budget, right, and you want something that's reliable, you can get on board and be the second owner of an Ecos or a K900. You will be very happy with your purchase. They float um again while not as nearly as refined as the germans i mean <laughs> what was it that dad likes to say a man on a galloping horse not going to notice like you exactly it's to be hard you'll you be hard so to still the difference right. yeah you're still going to have a supple luxurious right it's not going to be this a cocoon of isolation obviously right because again the refinement isn't quite there in these But ages. it's refined
0: enough. I mean, it's, it's refined enough. You going down the road, it's still going to be whisper quiet. I mean, you will need a sound meter to, to really tell the difference between you know how quiet the Genesis the Equus is versus yeah your part versus the others. Yeah. And again,
1: you're gonna you're gonna spend ten thousand dollars on a car like that and then complain about the fact that it's not quiet enough. Get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Like you can get one for ten grand. Like these, these are I think these are the cheapest cars on the on on the list, if I'm not mistaken. And you get way more than the other ones. So, um, yeah, the the the, the Equus or the K900. I think after thinking about it a little bit, I would probably opt for a K900 just because you know it's a LeBron mobile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but jokes aside, man, like it's it's uh. Yeah, the, I, I I'm sorry I, I skipped over them, but the the Equus is a really good value. I got a couple of car YouTubers have brought this to the fore recently as well, and kind of like shine a spotlight on the on the Equus in particular, just to show how great of value they are at this point. They are value. I mean,
0: if you're spending ninety thousand dollars on a car, you're spending ninety thousand dollars on a car. Okay, I mean, for that kind of money, you you, you know, an extra ten thousand dollars more isn't out of your reach. So that being said. As a used car value for what you get for the price, this is this is definitely one of my favorites right out, out, out there. Yeah. As a, as a value proposition, definitely one of my favorites out there.
1: And funny enough, they're becoming harder and harder to find. So if you can find one and you're in the market, scoop it up, yo. Scoop it up, man. If anything, they're going to appreciate and not depreciate anymore. So and they're going to be reliable as well. Yes, yes, yes yes yes. All right so so the last one on the list, um, I was kind of dif- I kind of found it difficult to, to to round it out to 10 and I really only wanted 10 because it's a good number and everybody likes 10 um no one likes nine <laughs> or maybe I'm just you know maybe it was just a bit of a of a OCD I guess obsessive compulsive issue but I wanted to close it out with a nice you know nice tenth number and this one might be surprising i think not controversial but definitely surprising and um Ron was definitely surprised but i'll let him explain it i i went with a, a chrysler 300 and I specifically honed in on the 2018s and above you can get a 2017 that's fine too but i just thought 2018 is recent is, is significantly more recent and you're not losing anything in terms of the equipment there you can get one for a really good price at that and that, um, and that model here. So, you're getting a big American Lugso barge. Uh, if you get a 300C, you get it with a V8, right? We get it with the Hemi, and there isn't much that's been, uh, that hasn't been said about the Hemi already, but torquey, wonderful power delivery that V8s are known for. You can even get it a little bit sporty, but it, it floats. Basically, you're getting a nice Limo Drive, you know, and the seats are super cushioned. FCA products at this point are well known for how comfortable their seats are. And I think for me at least, the star of the show is Craigslist UConnect system, right? It's may not be the most advanced system on the market, but it's still a benchmark for a reason. Very in terms of use um ease of use. It does everything the big boys do. Um what else? Uh we just drive just a, just space. A, yeah space the only thing that's probably going against the the, the Chrysler at this point is maybe the the quality of the interior materials yeah, yeah it's not quite up there as it's not as
0: pre I mean the in is current out guys which is you know from I think 2011 2012 and up mm-hmm. it's changed little you know what what Fca has done with the 300 is is improve it in little increments here and there. As far as the car being a good value, I, I think it's a good value in that it's different. In that segment, if you don't want a Maxima and you don't want an Impala and the Chargers, and you don't want an Avalon too sporting. You don't want an Avalon because of the I don't know the wide mouth gaping grill that it has. Or to a get a three hundred, it's 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 at this point the only I, I, as far as I as far as I know it's the only rear wheel drive vehicle in that segment of full-size vehicles that aren't wearing luxury badges premium badges yeah premium badges um it's rear wheel drive it's american luxury and it's a good deal as far as i'm concerned
1: yeah it's a no it's it absolutely is a good deal otherwise it wouldn't be on this list but again like even though like the touch points are all you know nicely cushioned and at least full leather if not real leather right the problem always shows up where one yes, it's definitely dated, and two, just the like the dash materials—they're soft plastic, but they're not high-quality plastic. Yeah, and so it—you're gonna have to kind of like, if you're gonna buy this car, you're gonna have to again take it on its own merits, and the fact that Chrysler vehicles at this point are easy to find parts, easy to repair, easy to maintain, and relatively. For the most part, at this point, relatively reliable. I mean, they've been around for so long now that they've basically ironed out most, if not all, of the issues with it. So, and again, you can get one of these for less than twenty grand. I have a put it in perspective. This is the way I, I like to disc- I like to think about it. I have a friend who has two cars. He's had his crash his his three hundred. I think it's a two thousand seventeen, and he also has a BMW that he more recently and he still drives the Chrysler more than he drives the BMW not because he's trying to necessarily contain the miles on the BMW he's not really necessarily trying to preserve the BMW but Chrysler still is does its job really really well as a fairly luxurious commuter so take that for what you will he definitely has a taste for the final things but he's like yo I asked him he's like yo are you gonna ever sell the 300 he's like ah like it's, it's great and he's a big, and he's a big guy he's a big dude so it, it comfortably holds his hulking body inside his in comfort <laughs> yeah you know? so so yeah so the chrysler has to be on the list man it, and I, he hasn't he hasn't had much problems with it also has he no 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 in fact it's his second he had one before this is his, this. oh one. wow he had one before yeah he had one before this was his, this He he bought a second one like i think the first one he had as a lease and then he bought and then he he took the lease back and then just bought a whole new one well there you go guys so yeah like you know people like i feel like people who own those they're the only ones who really know what they have and they kind of like it that way
0: (laughs) (laughs) My i brought this list to me and i saw the the 300 there i i kind of did a double take on that one in particular but you know again you think about these things and you, you think about owners who, ha- who have them what they've been through with the cars and how much they appreciate them and and love them there is something there with the 300 it's again it's different from your nor- from your regular front wheel drive full size full size vehicle it's a lot more stylish in my mind even though the design has going on what 15 years now the basic design
1: right the baby rolls or
0: baby bentley design you know the chop top gangster design of the, the body, yeah. but it's still a good looking car. It's unique, it's a reliable car. It's a unique car in that full size, um, in that full size premium segment, and I think it's going to be reliable as well. Yeah, you know. So, Roger, that's a very comprehensive list.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think everybody is. I think most most manufacturers are pretty rep, are represented. I think only the more esoteric brands like you know Alfa Romeo, which wouldn't show up on this list anyway, because Used car values. Not to mention reliability. Yeah, who else isn't on the list? We don't have BMW we don't have a BMW on the list. I can't recommend any used BMW. (laughs) God, there's the Audi isn't on this list as well.
0: There are a couple of there are a couple of of
1: name brands out there that aren't on this list. I think the manufacturers are represented, but I think I mean the probably the most prominent one to leave off is BMW as a manufacturer. There's no BMW on this list. So yeah, that is one, they depreciate like hell and and two, Have way too many problems to recommend, especially more recent examples. But even like the classics, like the three series from the early two thousands, that people tend to hold in high regard, are they have their own set of problems. They do. I mean,
0: you know, people think that the normally aspirated straight six is the more reliable of the two options. There there's there was a normal aspirated three liter, and then there was a turbo one. Mm -hmm. The normally aspirated one tended to be the more reliable one, but that engine also still has its own set of problems
1: as well. Yeah. We we don't want to get into that topic. That's a whole different. Yeah, thing. that's a whole that's a whole aspect for another day. You know, it was it's it's kind of sad that I don't think any car geek worth his salt would actively recommend a used BMW to any other friends. To me, BMWs are, are are disposable cars.
0: Yep, it's kind of the way how I feel about it. I, I mean, BMWs are are good new, but then once that warranty runs out, <laughs>
1: yeah I know. run run yeah it wouldn't i don't think this podcast would be complete if i didn't if either me or ma didn't shit on bmw so there we go we're done we're done the episode <laughs> <complete. laughs> well just remember guys that that list was it's not it's a not
0: it's not your typical used car deal you know list it's an out of the box list that roger came up with and i mean it definitely was an out of the box list if you look at what's on there from what we've discussed but thank you for that roger Appreciate that. I, I might come up with it with, with my own list at some point, and you might be shredding that list to pieces once we start talking about it. And, but, you know, let me destroy we'll see. Try we'll, you, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you for joining us on this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, leave your leave your comments below. Give us some ideas on some new topics. You know, we'll look
1: forward to it. And uh, Roger, always a pleasure. Yeah, man. Take care of yourself. Peace out, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one, all right? All right, guys, take care.